0: How many of you have seen the Black Panther? Yeah. Oh yeah, was it awesome? It just was nominated. First time a superhero movie has ever been nominated for an Academy Award for the Best Picture. And yes, it is that good. And so you can quote me on this. Your pastor said you need to watch Black Panther. It's good for your religion, all right? <laughs> now today I'm wearing my, my Superman uh, T-shirt and I have a... $25 ethos coffee gift card for somebody who can tell me what this symbol stands for. Yeah, I heard it over here. What'd you say? Okay, was she right? Let's take a look. It's not an S. On my world, it means home. All right, it's hope. Oh, thank you. I, somebody over there said it's, so, no. huh? Yeah, yeah, you can just give it to somebody over there. Okay, it, it means... <laughs> it means... So, okay, so I watched this ABC News report uh, that was documenting our fascination, Americans' fascination with superheroes. And they said that, they've noted that for years, uh, Americans have found uh, comfort and hope in characters like Captain America and Black Panther from the Marvel Universe and Batman and Wonder Woman from the DC universe. Now you may not know this, but the first superheroes uh, surfaced out of the 1930s after the Great Depression and as the Nazis were coming into power in Europe because what people saw shocked them. And so these superheroes, the first one was Superman and Superman fought Nazis and uh, he avenged the Japanese surprise attack on Pearl Harbor, stuff like that. Superheroes surfaced to tackle problems that mere humans could not face on their own. Superheroes arose as symbols of hope. Now, if you've followed the history of superheroes, in the 1950s and stuff, uh, superheroes began to wane. And uh, in fact, most of you aren't old enough to remember this, but by by the 1960s, some of the superheroes even became like comical and spoofy. Like, uh, does anybody remember the 1960s Batman series? Bam, pow, Zappo. I mean, it was terrible. It was horrible what they did to Batman. Anyway, (laughs) it got silly until September 11th, 2001. When terrorists attacked the World Trade Center in New York, the Pentagon in Washington, D.C., and an airplane that crashed in Pennsylvania, all of a sudden our world didn't seem so safe anymore. We witnessed a world that was filled with horrendously dark villains and vulnerable heroes. And so the whole superhero craze today began on September 11th, 2001. Now, my son was born on September 11th in 1990. And I remember sitting there on his 11th birthday, drinking my cup of coffee in the morning, shocked at what I saw on my news screen. Uh, my television screen. And I began to reflect on what kind of world is my son and my daughter gonna grow up in? They needed hope in their lives. And to be honest, I needed hope too. And I believe that is why our society is so fascinated with superheroes because heroes give people hope. And I think we all understand why people crave hope these days because let's just be honest, when you look around, And you see some of the shocking things in our culture, the random violence, you see poverty, you see homelessness, hunger, you see abuse that has gone on, injustice. And sometimes people think, sometimes people think, why does God let this happen? Why doesn't God do something about this? And then there's your own suffering, right? Have you ever wondered, does God even care I mean, God, if God even exists, does he have a plan? Well, today I would like the opportunity to answer those questions. Now, if you've been hanging with us in this series, we're exploring how to live with purpose, and we've been uh, unpacking how to live with purpose by looking at Jesus' relationship with a young man named Simon as Jesus helped him live his purpose. And So I'm going to review just a little bit before we look at a new passage today. So. If you remember, when Jesus first met Simon, he gave Simon a nickname. And what was that nickname? Rock. Rock. Peter. Peter in Greek is rock. And Jesus gave Simon that nickname to help him picture himself in a new way. He wanted Simon to see the strength that he could see in him. He wanted him to see the significance in him, the purpose in him. He wanted Simon to see the hero in him, the hero he could be. So he would aspire to it. And so Simon Peter, he did become Peter. He lived for something beyond himself. And we do know that he became that rock. We know him as Peter. And in fact, that's why people all over the world name their boys and sometimes their girls rock, Peter, Pedro, Pierre, Petra, all over the world, children are named Peter Because Peter stepped up and became the hero God could see in him. And for you to live your purpose, it's important for you to see yourself the way God sees you. It's important for you to see the hero that God sees in you. It's important for you to see the strength in you, the significance in you, the purpose in you. Well, Jesus could see the hero in Peter. And he began to cast vision for this movement that he was starting, that he called the church And he called for Peter to begin to envision living out his purpose within this movement that he called the church. And so he called Peter to live for something beyond himself that was not about himself. And for you to live your purpose, your greatest purpose, you will need to live for something beyond yourself that is not about yourself. And that may cost you. It may require a sacrifice. There is a price to pay. Because somewhere along the way, If you're going to live your purpose, you may have to say no to your best interest, no to your self-interest, and yes to the interests of others that God wants you to serve. And so today I want us to look at a picture that Peter gave to other believers to help them envision themselves. Like Jesus named him rock. He gave another picture for us to give us a way of viewing ourselves. All right. So let me set up what had happened. Uh, Peter if you remember, I said a few weeks ago, he preached the very first Christian me- message ever spoken. And after he spoke, thousands of people believed in Jesus too, and they got baptized. And so the church movement began and Peter became a leader in the first church. And one of the things he did was he wrote some letters to some of the uh, believers that he had pastored, giving them uh, a picture of how to envision themselves that they live with purpose. And so this is one part, uh, part of his letter where he does that. This is 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 5 and 9, where Peter writes, you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. You are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. So did you catch catch the picture? You are priests. You are priests. Now, When I talk about being a priest, I feel like I need to have like a little side uh, because some of, our, some of our friends grew up in, in a Catholic tradition where they call their pastors priests. And, and, and that's cool. They get that uh, tradition from the Jewish scriptures, which called their pastors priests. And so I understand where they get that. And, 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 and that's cool. That's fine if people want to you know, use the term priest like that. But in their system of religion, only certain men can be priests. And I know some of you, you know, grew up with priests that have influenced your life. They were good priests that loved God, loved people, and inspired your faith. And I think that's a wonderful thing. But I felt like in addressing the, the concept of priests, I also need to acknowledge that I know some of you did not have a great experience with some priest in your life. And it was either through a personal experience or maybe just what has surfaced the last few years has maybe given you a, a like negative baggage related to the concept of priest. And if you have experienced pain or any kind of uh, suffering uh, because of a priest, uh, I just want you to know I'm, I'm sorry for that. And my heart goes out for you. And I, I do pray that you would give me a chance to give you a new vision for what it means to be a priest. Would you give me that chance? You see... Peter, here at City Church, we follow the tradition that Peter started right here in this letter. And it's the tradition called the priesthood of all believers. Because I don't know if you noticed what Peter was saying here. He's saying, he's writing to all believers and he told them, you are all priests. That means every believer is a priest. Every man, every woman, every boy, girl, teenager. If you are a believer, you're a priest. And he was casting vision for us to see ourselves as priests. And he was hoping that if we would see ourselves as priests, we would live as priests in this life and that that would help us to live our purpose. Now, uh, I want to talk just a little bit about what what priests do. So because you you understand when, when Peter says that you're a priest, he's saying you're a priest and I'm a priest. How does that make you feel? Does it like... Does it make you intimidated a little bit or does it like inspire you in some way? Well, what do priests do? What was Peter talking about? So Peter was talking about, he was using a very positive image in his own mind of the priests from the Jewish faith and what they would do. And so he was thinking of good priests. And so he was thinking of how good priests were mediators between God and people. Good priests helped God and people reconcile with each other. Good priests taught the scriptures to help people thrive in life. Good priests led people to worship God and to lift up prayers to God. And good priests confronted social injustices. And they stood for the oppressed and the poor in their culture. And so this is what I want you to get. Good priests lived for something beyond themselves that was not for themselves. They lived heroic lives in service of others. And according to Peter, these priests, they, they lived heroic lives. And according to Peter, if you've believed in Jesus, then you've become a priest. And he means this to be a positive picture, a way of viewing yourself as living as a priest in this life. And so I want to make this a positive affirmation, all right? I, I want us to say this together out loud. I am a priest. Everybody in the video, Cafe 2. Let's do it on three. You ready? One, two, three. I am a priest. Now live out of that vision of who you are. If you can live out of that vision of who you are as a priest, as as a priest of God, representing God to people, you will live heroic lives. So how do you do that? What do priests do? So I'm going to go back to a phrase that Peter uses here in chapter two, verse five, where he talks about priests. Offering spiritual sacrifices that please God. So what does that mean? Well, it's very clear that this phrase, this terminology was used among the churches because numerous New Testament writers used it. They talked about us offering spiritual sacrifices, pleasing to God. And the writer of Hebrews clarifies exactly what Peter was talking about. So this is Hebrews 13, verse 15 through 16, where the author wrote, Through Jesus, therefore... Let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, (coughs) the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. And here we go. And let us do good and share with others, for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. So we offer spiritual sacrifices when we do good, do good for others, and when we share with people who are in need, share our our finances. So here's what what Peter's saying. Good priests live with purpose by doing whatever God called them to do. And good priests give with purpose. They invest their actual money in helping people and making this world a better place. Now, for us to do this, these kinds of actions, they do require sacrifice. They require that we become givers not set, and not settle for being takers. They, they call for us to, to do more than just make a living. This kind of concept means you gotta make a life. And you do that by... the. Be- by living whatever heroic life that God sees for you. These kinds of actions require that we live heroic lives because heroes, I'm gonna go back to what I said earlier, heroes give people hope. They give people hope by living their purpose. They give people hope by living for something beyond themselves that is not about themselves. They give people hope by living as priests in this life. Now, let me, let me tell you where I'm going with all this. i want to go back to my questions that I asked earlier. When we look around and we see suffering in this world, where we see poverty, hunger, homelessness, things like that, and sometimes we we think, well, why does God let this happen? Why doesn't God do something about it? Doesn't God have a plan? God has a plan. I'm going somewhere with this. He does have a plan. You see, on this earth, God has chosen to work through people to accomplish his will. That's why God became a human being and lived among us in the person of Jesus. On this this earth, God accomplishes his will through people. On this earth, God wants to address homelessness and hunger and poverty through his priest that he's placed here. God does have a plan and his plan is us. You know what I'm saying? His plan is you and me living our, living our unique lives the way God has wired us and living in, in our own unique way, a heroic life in service of others. That is his plan. Look, you exist for a reason. God has a purpose for your life and you can live it. And God created you to make a contribution to this world. He didn't create you just to consume stuff, food and gas and electricity and water, space. He created you to give back, not just to be a taker, but to be a giver. He created you to add stuff to life, to make this life better, not only for yourself, but for others. You matter. You can make a difference. You can make this world a better place. If you will step out and find your own unique way to live a heroic life. Not only will you make this world a better place, but you will give people hope. You can live a heroic life, are you? Are you living a heroic life? Well, City Church wants to help you live the heroic life that uh, I think God has created you to live, to live as priests on this earth. And so I want to tell you, I just want to take a couple minutes to tell you about our plan to help you do that, all right? The first part of our plan is to help all people believe in Jesus, because we really, really do believe Jesus is the Son of God, that he has risen from the dead, and that he started the greatest movement ever, and that when you believe in him, your sins are forgiven, you're declared a child of God, and you have eternal life. And and our strategy, I just want you to know, our strategy at City Church is on the weekend experiences, the services. That we provide here for the adults, what we provide for kids in Kid City, and what we provide on Monday nights for our students at Uproar is to provide a safe environment where people can come and explore our faith in Jesus. And that means we we accept people no matter where they are in their spiritual journey. And because of that, we're a messy church. And I just need you to know that. Can you say messy messy church? Messy church. We're a messy church. That's because we welcome people who just want to come and check out our faith. And that makes things messy. And we are going to be okay with that. And because our goal is to help people experience God's love through their faith in Jesus. Because how many of you know it's hard to express God's love if you haven't experienced God's love? And if you have experienced God's love, this is what I'm going to ask you to do. I want you to invite someone who doesn't believe. Because that's what priests do. Remember, priests reconcile people with God. And so I want you to think about someone that you know that doesn't believe. Maybe someone who does need to experience God's love. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a coworker. Begin to pray for that person. And look for an opportunity, maybe to share just a little bit of your story about what God's doing in your life with that person and then invite that person to church. Because I will assure you, Every weekend, we are thinking about that person, the person who doesn't believe yet. When we design our services, we're thinking that somebody's going to bring a friend who's never been to church in a long time or maybe never been at all, and we are thinking about them. All right, so that's the first part of our plan is to create this environment where all people can believe in Jesus. The second part of our plan is to help you find freedom together. Because I talked about this a couple of weeks. At some point in your journey, if you're going to live with purpose, you do have to face the dysfunctional drives that can get you off the path of purpose. And I was honest with you a couple of weeks ago about my own anger and how it almost derailed my faith journey. You can overcome. I promise you. Whatever it is that's getting you off the path of purpose, you can overcome. And the way we help people find freedom is, is we, we do that in circles. That's why you, you got to get... in a a group that's small enough where you actually get to know each other and where you can grow together and find freedom together. So find a circle that fits who you are and your stage of life and all of that and get on the journey to finding freedom. That's the second part of our plan. Third part of our plan is what we've been talking about, which is to help you live your purpose. And in this series, I've been inspiring you, casting vision for you to believe you are here for a purpose. God does have a purpose for your life, but if you've noticed, I've not really told you how to figure out who you have been uniquely created to be so you can do what God uniquely created you to do. I've not really personalized it. And that's intentional because I'm just trying to inspire you. We have created a program called the Purpose Path. It's a two-week program that helps you uh, with some some processes of uh, self-realization and self-discovery so you can understand who God created you to be so you can do what God created you to do. And that's a part of our plan. Now, uh, we're gonna be offering the Purpose Path you know, all throughout the year, but to sort of help get things going, get you know a lot of people who, who wanna go through this. Like right now, we're gonna do a one-day, like one-day Purpose Path day on Sunday, February 10th. Super Bowl's over. No good sports on until the NCAA basketball tournament. You know what I'm saying? So it's a great thing. You just set that Sunday aside and let us help you Uh, discover and recognize who God created you to be so you can do what God created you to do. Okay. Uh, And you can also, you can stop by the connection uh, pavilion on the left as you leave. Uh, Pastor John leads the purpose path. So he'll be there to talk with you or help you get signed up or you can sign up online, but whatever you do, live your purpose. You are the only you there will ever be. And that means You are the only person who will ever, ever be able to make the unique contribution to this world that you can make. And you do that by living a heroic life, by being a priest of God. And you may not be able to change the world, but you can change the world for someone and heroes change the world for someone. And I think we can be inspired by the first church. Okay, Those first believers that Peter wrote to and called them to be priests, I want you to know what they did. Those first believers rescued orphans from inevitable slavery, they rescued widows from inevitable prostitution, and they rescued unwanted children from inevitable death. I'm going to explain that last one to you. So in the Roman Empire during the the days of the first century, there was a practice that was legal and it was widespread in their culture where parents, if they didn't want a child, they would abandon their babies. It was called exposure. And so what they would do is if parents didn't want a baby, they would just take it and leave it outside a forest, or they would leave it by a riverbank, or they would just put it outside the wall of a city. And It was a horrible practice. They did it for uh, various reasons. Sometimes they abandoned babies for, because they had birth defects. Sometimes they abandoned babies because of suspected infidelity. Sometimes they abandoned babies for economic reasons, and sometimes they abandoned babies for gender preferences. yes. It was a horrible practice. And you might think, well, how can anybody justify that? This is what they, this is what they said. We have, we, you can read it. This is what people thought. They thought, well, technically it wasn't considered murder because you didn't murder the child. And so the way they processed it was, well, we'll leave it up to the fates. If the fates decide that my child dies, it dies. If it doesn't, well, the fates decide it. I'm not responsible. The fates are. Well, the first Christians rejected exposure. And instead of hoping things would get better or change, they acted, get this, they systematically organized themselves as a bunch of priests to go to those spots where parents left unwanted children and they rescued the children. And then get this, they raised them as their own. Why would they do that? I mean, back in these days, homes were small, food was scarce and expensive, and honestly, babies died all the time. And on top of all of that, the Romans were persecuting Christians and Christians were rescuing Roman babies. Why would they do it? It's because they're priests and that's what priests do. They serve all humanity, even unwanted kids that are not their own. And those first believers invested their lives and their resources to rescue those babies. And get this decades after decades of doing stuff like this. The Romans saw it. They knew what was happening. And they saw those believers. They saw their faith. They saw their sacrifice. They saw their love. And the Romans, some of the Romans believed in Jesus too. They said, I've, I've got to find out more about this man that these people follow. Because, hey, how cool is it that even though someone may be skeptical of our faith, they're jealous of our love. That's how you change the world. Okay. So who are the abandoned babies in our society? Who are the neglected, the marginalized, the mistreated people who need our heroic love? Imagine what would happen if we lived such heroic lives like those first believers did. Imagine what would happen if we got our lives engaged living as priests, looking to live heroic lives. Imagine, get this, imagine if over 3,000 people, us, if we determined we were going to make sacrifices and live heroic lives, we would make our world a better place. But that means you got to do something about it. You do have to step out and recognize who God has created you to be so you can do what he created you to do. Because you may not be able to change the world, but you can change the world for someone and heroes do that. And and I want you to, to understand, I'm not talking about some big act that you have to do. In fact, I wanted you to hear the story of one person who found her own unique way to express God's love to someone in need. Take a look.
1: There was a point in time when a friend of mine's son was in crisis. Um, he was going through a really difficult time. And I said, hey, you know what? Let me just, let me make a blanket for him. I've been making them for several years. I can throw one together really quick and and I'll have my parents bring it to you. And so they did. And when my dad had come back from delivering that blanket, he said that there was just this connection, this little boy attached to this blanket. And it was like he knew when that blanket came that someone loved him, someone cared and that he wasn't alone. That's kind of when the idea sparked in my head. I knew I wanted to serve in some capacity. I just wasn't sure what that was. I've been making blankets for years, but I didn't really have a way to utilize that, I guess is the way I should say it. Um, So I just, I didn't do anything for a while until the Lord really laid on my heart that he wanted me to push forward with this blanket idea, make it into something more. Much like a blanket covers us and keeps us warm and provides us comfort. That's God for us in our everyday lives. His love covers us like that blanket and that's why I wanted to move forward with the blanket idea because this blanket is now a physical representation for these children, families, wherever they may go, that God loves them and that we love them. I definitely could not have been here without my ladies and I think that's one thing that I want to get across. I have about 13 ladies that are making them with me, and um, they are definitely a big part of why this blanket thing is has taken off. I guess we're all we're all in shock about um, how much people have really taken to this idea. Each child has a blanket it was specifically picked for them we had a list of all 69 children in the orphanage and each lady looked at the child's name and age and picked a pattern out for that child prayed over that child and then i wrote a message out to them that basically told them how much we loved them and how much god loved them and it had um, john 3:16 and jeremiah 29:11, and then that attaches to the blanket and someone translated that into this um, dialect of spanish that's spoken at casa hogar Partnering with these women has not only been amazing in, in turning out as many blankets as we did, but with the fellowship and the and the communion that we've had together and, and just watching their eyes light up as all these blankets came in. And we saw 69 blankets piling up, and the, the satisfaction that knowing that they're helping make a child's day that has nothing is amazing.
0: Heroes give people hope. Let's pray together. Lord God, we do acknowledge your calling in our lives for us to live as priests because we represent you on this earth. We represent your love, your grace, your compassion. And so Lord, my prayer is that you would inspire us. My prayer is that you would Fill us with your spirit. My prayer is that you would give us courage and faith to step out and to live the unique heroic lives that you've called us to live. Lord, help us to live those heroic lives so that we can give people hope. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen.